Hey, this is Swedenborg Live. Uh, my name is Curtis Chant, and I'll be your host. And I'm really glad to get to do that. And really, the reason that I'm glad beyond getting to hang out with all of you is that I get to hang out with this very special panel of people who are going to take this conversation we're about to have, not just to another level, but to another level on top of another level. Okay. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Hi, this is Karen Childs, community manager and writer at Off the Left Eye. Welcome. So glad to have you here. Hi, everyone. I'm Cara Dom. I'm uh, muddle around in the Latin having to do with this show, and I love responding to your comments underneath our shows. Happy to be here. Hey, everybody. I'm Chelsea Odner, director of content strategy and a writer for Off the Left Eye and host of Inside Off the Left Eye. You know that somebody is smart when they're like, I'll just muddle around in some Latin. <laughs> I Muddle around. If I was to say I'm going to muddle around in Latin, that would mean I would say carpe diem. And <laughs> like sort of know what that means. But but uh, I digress. Let's do some question and answer. Everyone, if you've never hung out with us before, thank you for joining. Get in that YouTube chat. And all we're going to talk about is whatever you all want to talk about. So write your queries in there and we are going to give them conversation. In rare cases, we're going to come up with an answer to them. Otherwise, we'll just have a good chat uh, around them. So in, in order to get ourselves and yourselves and everyone in the right headspace for that, let's get a little bit of Swedenborg. Let's, in, let's out of a little dropper, put some of that into the water and get the right parts per million here so that we can shift <laughs> our focus away from all the buzz of external materialistic natural life and into this contemplation of things that, that are eternal and things that are that the, the, the soul behind the, uh, the machine that we see. This is from New Jerusalem 209. It relates to the episode we did on Monday because it's about baptism, the ritual of baptism. And what is it and what gives it power? This is New Jerusalem 209. Baptism imparts neither faith nor salvation, but testifies that both will be received by those who are regenerated. Washings represented purifications from evils and falsities. So that's the work that we're doing. You could, that ritual is a signpost, but it's, it's just pointing you in the direction of, of course, get rid of stuff that's mean and not true. And then there's all this goodness waiting to happen. So we're in that headspace and we're going to use that uh, as a, uh, a signpost for uh, your ability to support us today as well. So 209 is that number. Our goal, our weekly goal is going to be $209 raised. We're not for profit. So none of this would happen without you. And we thank you for week after week making this possible. If we can raise $209 during this show, well, this show will go on indefinitely for 15 more minutes and uh all you have to do is go to offtheleftdie.com slash donate and let's see if we can get there thank you so much okay we asked you all a question this week as as you're getting your questions in the chat we'll give you what the answers from the audience were our reflection question of the week was what was a time when you felt initiated into a new spiritual path oh yeah i do want what where does this show up in particular in people's lives? So Karin, community manager, what's the community saying? I love the variety that we get in the responses. There's, there's so many different ways to hold this in different people's lives. And so here are some excerpts from that. We, we um, 
narrow it down to an excerpt so we can fit more of the variety in. So here are some of the responses from our audience of when you felt initiated into a new spiritual path. Um, recovery, 1994, mm -hmm. congratulations. It is directly proportional to my ability to go deeper into myself. Yeah, that's where you find God. When I read Secrets of Heaven, volume one and two by Swedenborg, I never heard before of the inner meaning of all the word. And I wondered, why is there so much blindness? Yeah, so much wow. in there. <laughs> when I realized true repentance is to show sincere, heartfelt love for our fellow sisters and brothers. Yes, yes. Hmm. After my life fell apart, I felt abandoned by God, but... My pastor recommended an NDE story that happened to reference a certain Swedish mystic. <laughs> Wait, who? <laughs> so glad that led you here. My dreams have my dreams have initiated me to whatever I was going to be facing. Cool, that was part of Swedenborg's initiation. <laughs> the loss of my husband when he died in my arms. Thoughts of the afterlife, guilt and pain. Prayers helped me, and through his death, I felt a spiritual awareness. Uh, so sorry for that loss, but yeah, sometimes loss really starts a new part of your journey. Hmm. When I realized I was a twin flame, real love surpasses all understanding. So true. It feels that way every time I wake up to something I do that is hurting someone I love, and then feel regret and change my way. Yeah, hmm. that can be a real shift. Becoming a Christian in my early 20s, I made a promise to God that I would stop drinking and doing drugs. I've been clean and sober now for over 20 years. Wow. Congratulations. And yeah, that, that promise, like in baptism, it's a commitment. I felt a powerful calling on my heart to make amends for the Lord's sake. After following through with it, I felt an equally palpable sense of relief and joy. Oh, that's great. Wonderful. When I found off the left eye and learned of what God showed Swedenborg, God has always been there for me, sending his angels to help me. My goal now is to be useful. Oh, that's awesome. Knowledge of the other side, that gave me different perspectives. Still struggling with some questions. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> the questions will keep going, but that, that's awesome. Shortly after my husband passed away, I began having dreams and experiences where I felt his presence. These left me with such a feeling of love and peacefulness. Oh, that's beautiful. And so sorry for your loss. When I had a total emotional, psychological, and spiritual breakdown, somehow what followed the darkness was exactly what was meant to happen. Mm. Oh, Amazing. That can really be a term, turning point when everything seems to fall apart sometimes. I've had a few experiences recently where it feels like I can see everything at once. Wow, cool. The big perspective. And finally, I met our guru who explained the love of God and we experienced him in our day-to-day -day life. Oh, that's great. Sometimes it is a, a guide or a teacher that shows up in your life. Those are so wonderful. And I encourage people to go to our social media pages and read the full versions and some more that it's just wonderful, the variety. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for that, the honesty and the clarity around that. And I think that's useful because we can start to look at similar events as potential path starters in our own life. So mm. right on.
Okay, I know that Karin, you had said, yeah, I still have questions too. Let's explore what our questions are, uh, particularly around uh, this next topic. Colin Vickers asks, Why, would y'all share a brief summary of the main points in the discourse around whether or not the Lord can eventually raise hellish spirits into heaven? What are each of your opinions and why? Good. Let's start out like no, no cream, no sugar. Let's go right to some some highly caffeinated stuff. So, yeah. Can, so we got it. Let's lay out everything that Swedenborg says, and then what? What do you? How do you connect the dots? Yeah, I have a I have a number I can read from Divine Providence as part of starting the conversation. And first. Um, Swedenborg does emphasize that it's not uh, going from hell to heaven or, you know, making a movement in the spiritual world is not simply a matter of changing your mind. It's not simply like, oh, I get it now. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to change because you don't even, you don't go to hell unless you've already rejected all the, the wake up calls that were offered to you. There's so many, there's, through our whole earthly life. And then after death, there's the life review and there's just um, many, many, many ways that God and angels um, call to you to wake up and to, to um, offer you the chance to choose a change, a change in direction. And in our show called uh, How You End Up in Heaven and Hell, um, we present that it's compared to the digestive system, like food going through a human body um, has all these uh, uh, different points at which uh, the uh, contents of the food can enter the body. And similarly, going through the world of spirits, uh, there's, there's many different um, points in a person's process in which they can enter heaven. And it's just a matter of like, it's all according to willingness on the part of the person. Uh, like uh, God is calling everybody to heaven, um, but God does not force anyone to go to heaven. And so it's completely according to the person's willingness. And if you've ever been in a state or known somebody in a state of saying, Hey, why don't you forgive this person? And they say, no, <laughs> I do not. You know, like there's, you can't just, you, if somebody doesn't want to let go of uh, feeling revengeful or feeling hatred or something, they, so it becomes a part of who they are. So in, in Swedenborg science, uh, spiritual science, people build their spiritual body out of what they want, basically. And so it's actually a very, uh, it, it's not an easy thing to go from complete, completely choosing, I want everything to go my way and I hate everybody and, you know, I want to get everybody back. Um, that's the state of hell. It's not just an easy, like, oh, now I'll change my mind. So it's a big deal. I just want to lay that out there because it's not like uh, people can have a, an impression of, of people in hell saying, oh, I'm sorry, will you let me out now? And God's not letting them out. But it's so not that. It's, it's God always saying, how about you come out of that state of mind? And people saying, no, I don't want to. I deserve to be mad. I deserve to hate everybody. I deserve. So you got to first understand that because uh, it, it's just so key to having this discussion. But uh, but I, there are places in Swedenborg's writings, and I'm going to read 
here that God is never stops trying to pull people out of hellish, um, hellish states of mind. And this is you, you already have your number at the ready. I do. Yes. Divine Providence 337 um, He's talking about the reason that everything divine providence does is done out of pure mercy is that divine essence is pure love. This is what is working through divine wisdom. And this working is what we call divine providence. And it's, and he says the, the pure love is mercy a because it's at work with everyone in the whole world. And by our nature, we're all incapable of doing anything on our own. B, it is at work with the evil and the unjust and with the good and the just alike. C, it is leading people who are in hell and rescuing them from it. D, it is constantly struggling with them in hell and fighting for them against the devil, that is, against the evils of hell. E, that's why it came into the world. It meaning divine providence came into the world in the, in the form of Jesus Christ why it came into the world and underwent temptations, even to the final one, the suffering on the cross. And F, it is constantly at work to make the unclean clean and the insane sane. So it is constantly laboring out of pure mercy. And so that is just talking about this ongoing process that God is never just giving up and saying, okay, that person, <laughs> I've done everything I can giving. God is constantly working at that. And there are places in Swedenborg's writings where he is, seems to be stating once you're in hell, you don't come out. And other places he's stating like, and when people do finally come out of hell, you know, so there's different way it's phrased. But to me, the message is we have to understand like uh, we, we can get ourselves into a hellish state of mind and just, be stuck there until we're willing to get out. So if we're like, nobody else can decide that for us. I mean, God is constantly calling. Um, so it's, it's like a, a public service announcement to the, like, pay attention, like, uh, like an addiction. Like if you, you um, the question isn't like, okay, can I do hard drugs all my life? And then later just get out. And the public service announcement is, getting addicted to things. And in this case, getting addicted to evil, you'll get to a point where you don't want to give it up. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't know if I've answered the question, but it's complicated. But I think the, the main thing is God is never, never stops working to get people out. So if God wants everyone in heaven, wouldn't it be that eventually something people get pulled that direction? Yeah. I, I think, um, it's great that I think you give a lot of good answers in there, but don't answer the question all the way because then what are we going to talk about? What are the rest of us going to talk about? No, there, there, there were, there were so, so many great points that you made in there. That number in Divine Providence was awesome. And uh, I'd love to unpack that more. But I want to kick it over to Chelsea. Before I do, though, Colin, we have to say thanks to Colin. He made a donation. We are now off to the races and trying to reach our goal of $209 to get our extra 15 minutes. Um, so cool. All right. That was an, that was a great uh, opening of the discussion on this. And I'm in agreement with a lot of what you said, Karin, Chelsea, what, what do you want to, where do you want to go next? Yeah, well, it's good if we're uh, going to get that extra time. Cause we might need this whole hour just to talk about this <laughs> question. <laughs> Incentive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, had a couple of thoughts. One is just it, like this 
question came up at our dinner table just the other night for my, you know, young children who are like, wait, can you ever get out of hell? Like, would somebody who like, why, you know, can it be, why would it be forever? And, uh, and even just reflecting on like what happens in my body when I think about this question, um, I feel like part of that impulse, and I don't know if that's shared with Colin and whoever else is, you know, thinking about this is like, there's this impulse of like, that's so wrong. You know, like something's gotta, like, of course the Lord, somebody isn't just locked in hell forever, or, you know, there's gotta be a way. And like, even though it's like, I can't, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, like God has a much bigger perspective than me. I feel like there's gotta be some of that mercy that Karin was talking about. That is at the seed of that feeling in me. That's like, something's not right here. Even if I can't wrap my head around it. Um, but I think also we get concerned about things that we don't understand. <laughs> and when we do understand them, they make a lot more sense. Um, and so sort of on the other side, or not really other side, but just something that is interesting that I think about, that I include in my mind when I'm pondering this question at different times, is it kind of gets back to a principle that Swedenborg talks about that um, when he's talking about what a judgment is, um, and this, uh, like, when we get to the point, and he sort of will describe it that um, when we're in the world of spirits, when we're in between, we aren't, we're kind of a mixed bag, we don't know, you know, that's when the Lord at, you know, the Lord has taken every opportunity, like Karen said, to make us decide that what we want to be us is all of that goodness and truth that we've been building up in our life all along. And, and we want to let go of the, we want to be freed from the evil and falsity. Um, when we're in that process, it goes to a point where it finally gets to an end point. Like there's a reckoning and it's like, and if we're going to go with whatever, even little minuscule bit of goodness or truth that we have in us, if that's what we're going to choose, then that becomes the dominant thing. And it rejects everything evil and false out of it. And that sort of like process is what sort of spiritually brings us into heaven. Um, and similarly, if we get to that point where we're going to choose hell or what's evil and false, then that evil and falsity rejects everything good and true. And that's what kind of makes the final, like, okay, we're going to, we are aligning ourselves with hell because, um, you know, it's like, two magnets that, that you just can't put goodness and, tr and evil or truth and falsity near each other for any sustainable amount of time. They have to just get apart from each other because they're opposite. And so Swedenborg has these interesting quotes that I don't have in my mind right now where, you know, we, something that is that mixed combination can't last forever. It needs to reach that peace. And the peace comes, even if it's a sort of insane satisfaction it comes when it finally gets to just be evil and false and just like ah oh, you know <laughs> and gets rid of any of that awkward goodness that was getting in the way versus you know on the other end you've got you're finally relieved of like that evil and falsity isn't around you anymore you can just rest you know that's the lord's rest is when we are in that um when we've made that alignment um and so there's something like kind of like it's if if you've gotten to that point it's like hard to imagine ever deciding to get out of that uh, you know but um uh, cuz i don't think like mistakes happen you know it's not like the good place where like people end up in the wrong place like karen was saying um and 
and so, yeah, and the one, another little complicating factor is in Swedenborg's works, he will say he's talking about hell, but what he's describing of what he's seeing in hell when you sort of take in the totality of his works, you realize he's really talking about the lower earth or like this place that isn't really hell, but it's sort of where people are still figuring themselves out. Um, and so he'll say things that are happening in hell that really wouldn't be happening if it was like hell, according to his definition of that, like clarity, that like judgment um, that, that happens. Uh, and Anyway, so it's interesting stuff to kind of feel through. Oh, yeah. And the one last thought was that uh, it's been said very pithily uh, to me before where it's like, can the Lord eventually raise people out of hell? Like, yes, as soon as they choose to. Like, everyone in hell is free to leave whenever they want. <laughs> so, and that's the trick. It's whenever they want. <laughs> and that yeah. doesn't really happen. So, yeah. Right. Got a lot of great stuff to think about there. Uh, I want to get get Cara's input, but I can't until I acknowledge Jonathan, who gave to our our organization here and, and gave to support, uh, you know, this message reaching the next person. So we're up to 75 bucks. We are, yeah, we are thank you. speeding towards our goal. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor that you feel like what we're doing is, is worth supporting. Uh, we're on a very significant question about the, the nature of hell and time spent there. So Cara, what, what's this bringing up for you? The first thing that I think of when I think about this question is how deeply and highly the Lord values our spiritual freedom. And that is my um, sort of default position when I'm thinking about hell. He created us for heaven. And he wants us there. And yet he loves us so much that he's going to let us say, no, thanks. I don't want to be there. So to me, the way Swedenborg paints hell is like a picture of divine mercy um, <clears throat> and letting us have our own choices in life. Then I come to the thought of how when we go to the other world and we have and, and sort of the, the cares of this world sort of drop away and we're pure spirit and we get to take a look at our choices and what we really care about and what we love. And I always hope, in fact, Karin on a recent show used the term that any deficits in love will be filled on the other side. Um, and I think could it possibly be that if all of our deficits in love are filled from generations back, could anyone actually choose evil? So I, I, I struggle with it with myself, thinking if we really are surrounded by the highest angels and we're getting all the help that we can to think straight and feel the love, could any of us really say, ah, yeah, I don't need that. So that's my personal struggle about just not understanding how it works. But Bottom line, I believe in this merciful God who loves us and um, does not keep anyone in a state of suffering if they don't want to be there and are willing yes. to do the work it takes to turn away from what makes us suffer. So, Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. I love getting to hear uh, you know, where, where you are on that. And, and yeah, that, that seems contrary to, to the divine nature. I know in Karin, in the quote that you read, it talked about God's providence constantly laboring 
to mitigate the hell state through reducing insanity and reducing evil. And I forget exactly what it says, but something like that. And I started thinking about constantly laboring. And let's say that I wanted to sculpt a great statue. I'm not good at that. But if I was constantly laboring forever at that, wouldn't I be able to do it? Even though I'm not particularly artistically gifted, would you bet against me constantly laboring forever to get that done? So if we're gonna talk about like God, the smartest, most powerful thing that's ever existed, constantly laboring toward the goal of divine providence, which is a heaven from the human race, is God gonna get a C or a D on this? Like if, if if a hundred, if if only sixty percent of people or forty percent of people end up in heaven, and the point of existence is heaven, something not like, and God has forever to work on it. I like I that the math doesn't add up. How is it going to be that God is? If God is going to fail at that, God's main aim. How, how does anyone succeed at anything? Just in in principle. So I don't know. There's a lot of different ins and outs of Swedenborg's material that 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 shed light on this. But I keep coming back to that. It's like, what do you, what's that's like the front and center in God's strategic plan is heaven from the human race. God has resources. Yeah, we're stubborn, but I don't know. I, I don't feel like I would bet against God. Like God's not going to sleep saying it's fine if I get 65% of people in heaven, you know? So Karin, do you want to, you want to give us a final thought? Yeah. Three, three short thoughts. One um, with what you were saying, Cara is hard to imagine that that's why for me, just the analogy of addiction helps because we can know of people who they know this addiction, uh, addiction to this substance is ruining their relationships, taking away their job, taking and yet they keep going to it. So why? You know, so I feel like an addiction to evil is that you can have all the love like here, somebody helps you and takes care of you and takes you to a rehab, but you just go right back. So it's evil is like that, like you can be given all the love, but keeping drawn back to that addiction to uh, greed or, or revenge or whatever it is. So I feel like that's why people can still choose hell, even though the loving angels come to them and offer them everything. And then the mercy part is um, that, yeah, hell actually uh, is a mercy from the Lord uh, for people who heaven is painful for, because that's something Swedenborg talks about a lot. Like when you don't want to face the truth about yourself, when you don't want to, uh, you don't want to choose uh, hearing about other people from getting what you want. It's just like, ah, get me out of heaven, get me out. And you're, you're more at rest in hell. Um, uh, but the, the final thing is I think, I feel like there's things in spiritual diary that give me an, uh, an interesting um, idea of how there might be this other kind of scientific process that the Lord uh, allows people in hell to burn out, you know, like, uh, there's one phrase Swedenborg says that uh, people cannot be out of hell until that life is extinguished. And and from other things I read, it just seems like they just have to play it out. They have to burn like a burning coal in a in a fireplace. Like it just it's not getting fuel from anywhere else except for <laughs> you know this limited thing it has to just burn out and burn out and burn out and burn out until it it uh, isn't anymore. So somehow that life of loving evil has to burn out before the Lord could move to something else. And there's interesting 
hard to understand descriptions in a couple of places in spiritual diary that, that, um, you, you know, lead me to think maybe something has to burn out. So there's nothing left, but the remains and then something else happens. <laughs> and, and, uh, maybe something like that, uh, Isaiah prophecy of the, the, uh, wicked animals, uh, feeding alongside the tame animals. And they're just gradually starting to eat something else. And so anyway, something happens, but it, it's complicated, complicated because we have to be allowed to do what we want for as long as we want to. And I'll stop there. Well, it's great. And it makes me think about a super fun site where there, there's toxic waste of some kind. And they'll sometimes talk about that and say, oh, the, 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 radioactive waste that comes from thing X will still be dangerous in, for 10,000 years. Yeah, right. Wow, yeah, great. But in 10,001 years, you can go play in it. So <laughs> everything has, it's, and, and it's nothing in terms of eternity. Speaking of eternity, we've only done one question. And it's nearly halfway through. The good news is, as Chelsea was alluding to, we are getting closer to our goal of extending this by 15 minutes. So maybe we'll get an extra question or two in there because uh, Sean made a donation. Thank you so much, Sean. Yay. And Arun, A-R-U-N, made a donation. Thank you so much. We're up to, oh, uh, okay. And Arun's donation is in memory of Nira Aurora. So thank Aww. you so much for, uh, for honoring her here with us. Uh, and then I just saw that Ruth donated. So now we have 175. Woo! We're getting very close. So let's step on the gas and get uh, get some questions answered. The next one is from Roy. Thank you so obviously, thank you, Colin. That was a great question. And the reason why I think it was good for us to spend that long on it is it touches on what the nature of love is. It touches on what divine order is. There's so many key themes in Swedenborg's work. It's really multiple questions in one. So I loved that. Roy Angstrom asks, are we born with a core personality? And I think that takes on, that's a great question. And it takes on extra meaning with Swedenborg's description of what consciousness is and heaven's influence on us and hell's influence on us. And even what Karin was saying about burning out the previous life and everything. So well, what's us and, and uh, Chelsea. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I do wonder about what Karen was saying earlier, and that's so interesting to think about. But um, yeah, I love the one place where Swedenborg says that we are a like specific love of God, um, and then that has its wisdom um, matched to it, and uh, and then so so that you know I don't know what you'd call a core personality, or like, I don't know a lot of, I don't research what people say, what personality really means. I sort of get this sense of something that's been developed a little bit, but so like, but there is sort of, you are who you are. And, and I remember with my firstborn having, introducing her to her great grandfather and my, my grandfather saying to her, like saying to me about her, like, she is who she is already like look at this personality and I had never been a mom before so I was like I don't know what you're talking about she just you know <laughs> it's a lot of work and you know she's cute but like where's that unique who's this person you know I have to get to know this person but now as I've gotten to you know see her grow I realize oh wow she's been who she is forever you know like 
the earliest little infant pictures of her, she's got that personality coming through this like undeveloped blob. <laughs> and so, um, and so that is, I use the word personality and it seems to make sense to me. Uh, but then also though, that we do grow, we have this ability to grow in love and wisdom forever. And so that's this infinite capacity that we get from the Lord. Um, but so, yeah, I guess I do think there is something core there. I, I love that example of the, the, the personality that shines through from the beginning. So there's, you know, photo apps will do this thing where they say, remember these pictures you used to take. We have a, an app called Back Then where we share like little pictures of our daughter with the family. And it'll sometimes say, don't you want to see like the change, how she's changed through the years? And I'm like, okay, fine. And those always get to me. Because they're just you, and you can see her personality as when she's little and tiny, and it's different. Meaning, how it's expressed is different because she's such a different thing. But there's this, there's this thing that is there, but rendered in the way of a one-year-old versus. So I agree, and it's really powerful to see the way that that exists. I want to talk about Yolanda. Thank you so much for your gift. We're at 200 right now. If anybody feels like, okay, $9 is worth it for this extra 15, you can be the one that puts us over the edge. Off the left eye.com slash donate. Okay, let's get back to the core personality. Karen, what do you think? Yeah, a little uh, semantics here, but I'm wondering if you could think of it like we are born with a core identity. I'm just gonna use the word identity for the core part uh, with what Chelsea was talking about, which is a particular desire of God that manifested as us and got born as us. And that's something very core. And like like you guys were saying, it's, it's something you just can sort of see is there right away in this little new baby. There's something there that's very unique. Um, and then as we grow, we get to kind of shape that uh, with our own fun flavor and <laughs> flair and through through the life we chose and and the experiences we go through and what we what we take from them um, so uh, and maybe that's uh, could uh, be more the word personality like you 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 start out with this core spark of god spark from god and then you get to you get to play with it in your in your free will, and um, and do things with that. And and you know we go through experiences. Some lots of things happen that are not what we choose, but we always choose how to respond and what to take from it. And so that's what's developing our own, uh, you know, our our own free will um, use of this core identity that we were born with. So maybe that's the. You could call that the personality and the other the identity or something <laughs> words words um but i just want i just imagine um you know god taking delight in in putting you know putting a particular love feeling whatever from from god's self into manifestation in into this free will little creature and seeing what what are they going to do with this you know how how cool. I mean, you know, God knows everything already, but, but just the delight, like if you were to be able to create a little character and then, and it then could, you could see what it was going to do. <laughs> like your, your, uh, a story you wrote and the characters could, could do what, uh, what they wanted and just 
just the delight. I'm just imagining there's there must be a delight in that from God. Oh yeah, major. And I think that when you have a little pet, like I think about when I had fish, and you, you've created this whole environment, you're just so excited to see them explore it. It's got to be something similar. Uh, Cara, what do you think? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is when I'm trying to change myself, it feels so impossible to change myself. <laughs> no, we talk about repentance and regeneration. And, the, you know, and I think that 20 years ago, I really handled, you know, such and such an issue. And then 20 years later, here it is again. And I'm just unpeeling the onion. Like, do I ever get down to something different in this onion? <laughs> Yeah. So a lot of the times it feels like, no, I don't. This is me. And I have, um, you know, all kinds of experiences and I learn and I grow, but there, but I'm still that onion and I still have layers. I don't, I don't know. It's not a very reverent way to talk about it, but sometimes it feels um, sort of discouraging. And yet I can't, I keep carrying on and I know the Lord is with me and he's guiding the whole thing. Um uh, that's just a little emotional dump about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like honesty is reverent. So okay. I, I, I like it. Um, I, I had a couple of thoughts. Um, it Swedenborg does give this interesting twist on the core personality, because what many of us would think of as what are the basic building blocks of my core personality is how am I feeling right now? And what occurs to me? What kind of ideas do I have? What kind of thoughts do I have? Yet Swedenborg makes this really fascinating claim that that stuff in some way originates outside of you. It originates initially in God and then goes through different people in the spiritual world and kind of this mega neural network and then reaches me that you don't, you're not as original in that sense as you think. But then on the other hand, um, Swedenborg is talking to some angels and the idea is brought up of two people who were exactly the same. And he says, I believe the word that's translated is horrified. The angels were horrified at the idea of any two people being identical. So we're not just a blank canvas that forces are working on where there's enough differentiation points that you can have the 7 billion people who are alive today and all the people who have ever died in history. And according to Swedenborg, people that have lived in other parts of the universe and every one of those is different. So we are, we must be pretty complex if those can all be different. And I think about the, the regeneration work that you do and the, the choices you make. And the, it seems like each of us, you have infinite potential, but your potential is an different infinite potential than anyone's like going out radiating out from a, a center there's these wedges of the pie that can go on forever but that wedge is yours to live into because you as chelsea mentioned in the beginning are this particular part of god expression of a bit of god's love and i think it's what providence is trying to get each of us to do is to live out into that wedge as much as we want or we can just crunch down into a part of it but yeah, because there's definitely this feeling of, well, I, I could be living up more to my potential, but sure, sure. But there's, you're the only one that has that potential. It's just you. Okay. So, so Karin, yeah, we want to give us uh, give us one more. Yeah, think about, I've thought of the the concept of the dominant love, like you, you, uh, you embody some um, 
yeah, some kind of love and, and, and you express it in a unique way. Um, but also the, oh, what Cara was saying, I think, uh, maybe if you're, <laughs> I mean, we, we are a, this unique being and we're always going to be this unique being that has, and, uh, every kind of being has its strong points and weak points. So I think it's just a matter of not despairing over the, <laughs> the weak points and, and honing in on, you know, appreciating and, and, uh, developing the strong points. So anyway, that's just an aside that never be discouraged about who you are. Just, uh, know that, those qualities are there for a reason. Like they're really needed. They're really important and they're really needed. And, and, uh, God is saying, I'm so glad you're the way you are. Cause uh, I, <laughs> the big picture needs you just to be who you are to do this. And yeah, the uniqueness Curtis is talking about, like, we're all, there's all these ingredients and we have these vast inner selves that we don't realize while we are on earth, we are aware of our outer self. We have this vast potential in our inner self. And it's just all these pieces put in to get together in a certain way that can't be like anyone else. And um, yeah, that can keep expanding forever. So that's some thoughts. Yeah. And that just drives home the power of this idea that, that, yeah, you have this unique space and you may feel like you're nobody, but there's this area of life and love and wisdom that you know, Amelia Earhart can't do, and was the guy who climbed Mount Everest, Sir Edmund Hillary can't do, and anybody you think of that you feel like is smart and talented, we're all sitting on the sidelines. And if you can, if you can, you can increase the overall success of, of life in a way that, that nobody else can. Hmm. Hey, we did it. We did it. Kenny made a donation. Thank you so much, Kenny. With that donation, we're up to $315 so far exceeding our goal. Kenry, Kenny made the donation in memory of Jan and Jet. So thank you so much for honoring them. And uh, we are, so we're going to have extra time so we can take a little breath and, and really focus on a couple of questions here. We're only on number three. Okay. This is the in-depth episode. Yeah. Chelsea, do you want to say something? Oh, just, I, I actually have a thought that I want to share, but it actually has more to do with the next question than this one, but it's in response to something Cara said. So I'll, I'll, let me, let me get this out of the way then. It's <laughs> just kidding. Peg B <laughs> who asks, and this is, these are, of course, we're spending a long time on these questions. These are such hardcore questions. If God is perfect, why did he make imperfect people? Because sometimes you do, you know, you're out walking and you bump into someone who's imperfect. Right. <laughs> okay, Chelsea, start us off. Yeah. So, well, this is just a bridge. Well, it's in my mind because it's cool that the la- like what Cara said in response to the last question and how it relates to this one is, um, yeah, those imperfect people out there. No, I'm just kidding. Us. <laughs> uh, I think of that. You know, Cara was saying like that cyclical way, the peeling of the onion, where it's still an onion, no matter how many layers you peel. It's like. If only that I hadn't thought of it that way. Like if you're peeling an onion, just sort of wishing that it would turn into an apple eventually. (laughs) And it doesn't. Um, One more layer. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe the next layer. Um, But uh, so thinking of this, like we have, it's that whole kind of like paradox where we have strengths, but they can also be weaknesses, but they really are that like two sides of the same coin. You know, like I've been, reflecting lately in my life where it's like oh something that I really feel is like it's kind of a 
crummy part of who I am, you know, like some, this way that I have of being that could be obnoxious or whatever, something like that. I realize, oh, wait, you know, I guess it's kind of like the swan duckling thing. Like if I am in the right environment and like the Lord kind of takes care of that in Providence, then that thing that has been sort of this thorn in my side for a long time becomes, oh, this is exactly the tool, the person, the th- like things, you know, that you need to be to do this work or to do this, you know, serve in this arena or show up for this person or something. Yes. Um, and hey. so, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Finish your thought. Then I have something. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so just uh, that, that's kind of the, well, so there's providence in that, but I also, then there's sort of a freedom. I don't know, you know, like the Lord kind of gives us everything we need and then it just happens because we're humans, you know, we go through a lot of awkward growth periods or something and and that's what can appear to be imperfect but it's just like well we haven't learned how to use what we've got yet you know like actually what we are is perfect but we kind of just are fumbling in how uh you know how to exercise these limbs (laughs) and parts of ourselves so well this is great this is a i love those thoughts and this is a great time to show you all how much of a master i am because even before I knew this question was coming. I made a significant mistake that well, that's showing you what imperfection looks like. Um, so I it was I was wrong. I said that Kenny gave in memory of Jan and Jet, but Ken, Kenny gave in memory of Jan. Okay, so thank you, Kenny, for that. And we're honoring Jan here. Jet also gave. So thank you, Jet. Thank you for your contribution. Please forgive my imperfection. Um, which is is just such a great example of it. While we're while we're at it, thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer gave. And we are now up to three hundred and sixty-five dollars. Wow! Thank you. Despite our imperfections, uh, yes. <laughs> we, we appreciate it much. Um, okay, so this is this is we're right in smack in the middle of a really fascinating conversation. So I'm eager to hear Kara or Karen. Do you have any thoughts that Chelsea's have spurred or the original question uh, in you, Karen? Um, yeah, uh, only one can be perfect. Only God can be perfect. So a, a, an infinite being is the only perfect being and an infinite being cannot create other infinite beings because then there's, it's not infinite anymore. So only God can be perfect, you know, complete wholeness and everythingness. And we Anything that God creates is finite. Okay, finite is never all the way finished. We get to keep uh, evolving forever, getting closer and closer and closer to God. The infinite, we can never become infinite, but we keep getting closer and closer and closer. So uh, God created finite beings because that's the only way it can, (laughs) that's the only thing that can happen. An infinite being can create other beings to love and to and to be in relationship with, but they have to be finite. They are not infinite. So God created finite beings and we look at ourselves and see the flaws and everything. And like, why are we so imperfect? Um, but we're just finite and, and uh, humanity kind of <laughs> got uh, tipped towards a lot of darkness in that, in that finiteness, you know, we, but finite doesn't have to mean full of negativity. It just, that's, that's what we're vulnerable to as 
as finite beings, but, but God loves us. The Lord loves us so much, loves these little finite beings, <laughs> loves these little imperfect beings. Just, uh, just, if you just think about if there's a little child you love or a pet you love and they're not perfect, you love them, love them, love them. It doesn't matter if they're not, if they make mistakes or, or get all messy or whatever. Um, so yeah, we're just finite and it's okay. And, and that's w- wonderful because that means we can have the joy of keep, uh, you know, keep evolving to a better state forever and ever and ever. And God's there to help us with that um, ongoingly. He will never stop helping us with that. Woohoo. So good. So good. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, can I go, Curtis? Yeah, you gotta go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Ooh, she's got it. Can't resist. <laughs> I'm looking at, uh, the word, the Latin word perficio, which is where our word perfect comes from. And the two parts of that word mean to to do or to make the ficio part and the pair means like thoroughly all the way through. So if I'm just reading the first few definitions under perficio, we've got achieve, execute, carry out, accomplish, perform, dispatch, um, things like that. So all of us are in a constant state of doing those things, achieving, carrying out, performing, Um, and we'll never get to the end of that because we have an eternal life. So our perfection is in just continuing to carry that stuff out. Just keep going on it, keep working on it. We're a work in progress for eternity. So, you know, a little comfort from the Latin dictionary. Well, of course, that's why it's called the language of comfort. I think I I might be perfect. I mean, let's think about what perfect is, because sure, if I like, if I thought, oh, why aren't I perfect? I'd say, yeah, why why am like why am I losing my hair? Why haven't I gotten better grades more easily? Uh, but like, is that better? If I get that, is that better for everyone else? I mean, are, do you think of like, oh, that person who's good at everything? That's so perfect. Like, where does that perfectness? And I am perfect, a perfect like sort of point where heaven and hell can fight it out in this larger providential thing where God is ordering stuff, right? I am, I, it just, just gets me thinking about what perfect for what, perfect for what? And if the, if what, what I'm supposed to be doing is be this thing that this project that God is taking on to accomplished something. I don't even know, but it could be that, that we're all perfect for, for what that is. Um, and I think about Jesus Christ's life. Was that, a was that, how, how did that life go? How was it? Was it perfect? I, you like, if you just see it externally, yeah, he says some fairly clever things. But he gets mad at the money changers and he obviously has his life cut pretty short. His, one of his best friends betrays him. I don't know. Like, where's that perfection? So I, I guess it's like a snarky way to answer it, but it gets me thinking about there is a perfection. We got, we got created imperfect people to because that's what a perfect system runs through. The, the, the only yeah, the perfection is in providence. I don't know. Okay, that's the end of that's the end of my thoughts on that. I okay. yeah, I, I definitely just love that idea of 
pooling together everything you guys have said and thinking about Kara's definition of that, like accomplishing, like, of course, like the work in progress thing is perfect. And that, you know, the Lord makes us perfect. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's just, that is the perfect, that the work in progress that you are is the perfect thing to accomplish the, you learning something or inspiring the next person or something. Right. Hey, Sharon, Thank you, Sharon. Sharon made a contribution. We're now up to $400 raised. Thank you so much. She had a message with it. <clears throat> As someone that really loves onions, I am deeply offended by this episode. <laughs> Laughing. <laughs> good. It's good. Okay, let's do the next one. This is from Blue Red, who asks, I understand that external knowledge is important because of its ability to contain God. But at what point do we leave it behind and start thinking what we really think and feel? Wow. I have, a, I have like a very initial thought on that. Do it. That I just want to put out there and then pass it on to somebody else who can think about it this more deeply. But in our show, The Psychology of Jesus, we talk about how Jesus's inner life is mapped in the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And there's this thing about them going to Egypt and then leaving Egypt at some point, or somebody does, or a couple of people do. Um, and Egypt is that represents corresponds to that, like knowledge that those important external knowledge vessels <clears throat> and Swedenborg. I remember just being kind of blown away by what Swedenborg says about Jesus's inner process of of leaving those behind, like of actually uh, sort of leaving it behind, but really kind of like basically just the intentions around it becoming deeper and spiritual. And so only taking with it what what really served that that like higher uh, inner intention that aligned with that, you know, his his divine inner self, um, that divine love. Um, and so so at what point, like, oh, I'd be interested to go back and see when does that happen exactly in the story? What led up to it? I think there's something about the like battle, uh, like inner battles that happen. Um, so anyway, those are some initial thoughts. Great. Oh, we're off. We're off on a good foot here. Karin, what do you think? Um, I'm thinking about our episode, uh, how to find true intuition and that the thing is, uh, the question is asking, uh, what point do we leave it behind and start thinking what we really think and feel? The thing is, we are multi-layered beings and we have an outer self and an inner self, a lower self and a higher self. And we start out with those two not in sync, it, meaning the, the good version of the higher self, which has heavenly desires and heavenly goals and is... Uh, connected with God, um, we start out with a lower self and outer self that is out of the divine design. Uh, and this just happened over the fall of humanity. It, it wasn't the way it was originally created because our outer self is, is good in that it's just supposed to serve our inner self goals while we're in the world. And that's, that's a good thing. But the thing is our, our outer self, our lower self, our lower ego starts out with kind of ha having this priority of wanting to get what we want and things to go our way and being more concerned about materialistic uh, goals and concerns uh, than spiritual ones. And so 
in our early life, before we started on the journey of reformation and regeneration, what we really want is not in the divine design. It's not aligned with heavenly wants, which are altruistic, which are thinking of the big picture more than, you know, our, just our personal wants. Um, so when we need uh, external truth, information, things to learn that teach us about the divine design, like what should be our goals, like the golden rule, like the two great commandments, like the 10 commands, don't do these things because they cause harm. So we need those concepts to teach our outer self, oh, <laughs> you know, to teach us how to get back into the divine design. And that is the, and when we start living that, start doing that, turn away from the negative and the, according to the 10 commandments, turn towards the positive, according to the two great commandments and the golden rule and the teachings of Jesus. Um, those, that information from outside of us is crucial to have, like, how do I get out of what I want on a lower, more selfish uh, plane and, and um, go towards something heavenly. And the shift happens when you get to the point where the Lord is shifting your heart. Like your heart is now not mostly wanting self-centered things or materialistic things. It's actually starting to mostly want, how can I help people? As you shift into that state of heart, you, you less need, you don't as much need to keep learning uh, information starting to flow more and more naturally through, through your, your heart and you can be guided more and more. And um, you know, it's a gradual process. So uh, you know, you can start, you can start wanting better things, but still uh, greatly benefit from a steady diet of, of concepts to remind you to stay on this path. But that shift happens uh, in the process of regeneration. So it's, I think it's gradual. I don't know if you could pick like this one moment where <laughs> it's shifting. It's gradual because we go a little forward, a little back, a little forward, a little back, but it's, it's, uh, it's progress nonetheless. Progress is good. Well, cool. Thanks for that map of the human journey. Um, Cara, do you want to weigh in on this? Okay, then I'm going to. Uh, it's, it's one thing that struck me about the question is external knowledge is important because of its ability to contain God seems to be juxtaposing that with internal knowledge. And a, this idea of a tree popped to mind and I was like, well, why am I thinking about a tree? And Swedenborg says that trees correspond to firsthand knowledge of what's good and true. So instead of like, instead of I have been taught about that, I know that I've experienced that. I, I know you don't have to tell me that there are armadillos. I've already seen one in the bush, you know? So it sort of seems like it could be that blue red is, is hinting a little bit at when, when do we really, it, it stops being theory. When is it, 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 it seems a little bit like the difference between perception, knowledge and perception. Swedenborg talks a lot about perception and higher angels have perception. It's when you just get it and it's self-evident, even to the point where certain heavens that are really deep into perception don't want to talk about religion. They don't want to talk about theology or faith because it just disrupts this obvious. It's like we wouldn't want to talk about the theory behind why you want to eat. It just, or I'm hungry and I'm going to eat. So I don't know if that's quite the right analogy, but, but I just think it's an important uh, slice of 
of the world that Blue Red's asking us to consider here. Okay, let's uh, let's move. Hey, we're in our bonus round. This this round was brought courtesy of all those people who we talked about before being willing to put their resources to, to make this happen. So thank you so much. And if you're watching afterwards, you can still go to offtoleft.com slash donate and help our programming reach the people it reaches and, and help us do the next thing. This is Erica Lee for our first bonus question who asks, why did Jesus say to God, forgive them father for they know not what they do. How could he say that if God already knew that? And he is God. Was he, was he trying to tell us that that's what we should say? Seems a little strange. Swedenborg is adamant that there's one God. God is one person. So are you talking to yourself? What's going on here, Jesus? Um, yeah, does anyone want to lead that off, Karin? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure that was part of it, Erica, that um, everything he was speaking was for the sake of us to learn something. And so it is very powerful teaching to have, to have him there on the cross completely betrayed and in terrible physical pain and yet want to want uh, the people who have done this to him to be forgiven and to recognize that they don't really realize what they're doing. So I do think that is um, definitely part of it. There's also this part of the journey of Jesus in this life, uh, what, his life on earth that Swedenborg talks about that Jesus was um, his development, just like we in our process of regeneration fluctuate between sort of higher realizations and then lower despair where we, we don't know what's going on and we feel in a cloud and discouraged and things. Um, Jesus went through that too, because he was walking the path of, with him, it was called glorification, the process of glorification. Uh, uh, but he was modeling the uh, journey of regeneration for us. And so he too went through the moments when everything was clear, he, it, the, the knowing of his divine soul was shining through and he fully felt it. Um, and then he had other states of mind where his earthly self there in that physical body, um, were clouded, like he wasn't um, able to feel that. And he was in a state of uh, despair and feeling um, uh, separated from his divinity, from his, from his divine soul. So that's the times where he speaks of the father as if it was somebody else, just because he wasn't uh, feeling that connection yet. And I think during the crucifixion, it was his final temptation. It was, uh, you know, the culmination, it wasn't his only temptation that was going on his whole life, but it was the culmination of everything. It was kind of like the last big thing before uh, the process was over and he would be resurrected. So there on the cross, he was going through both. And, and, and so he's, he's agonizing there, handling this terrible thing that's going on. And he is both, um, I feel like that statement both is uh, allowing that divinity to come through in that wish for forgiveness and also involving the, the limitations of Jesus, not fully being divine yet of just like, uh, you know, needing to ask for that, you know, if you know what I mean. So I think both are in there. Yeah. The exonition and glorification. Uh, Cara, is that you going to talk about that? Yeah. You took the word right out of my mouth, Curtis. 
the, the word that is in the older translations for that state that feels more distant from God is exinanition. And Jonathan, in his translation of true Christianity, translates that as emptying out. So this state of, I think of it as emptying out the sort of natural human tendencies. He's, he's working that out and he's getting rid of those states in order to be able to be joined with God. So I, I really like the way Karin put it, but I had to say exonition because you hardly ever get to say that. Like I, and I wouldn't have known that word if it wasn't for you NCE people in the first place. So, <laughs> hey, before we go to Chelsea, uh, let's just say that Erica gave. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you. Yeah. And John contributed as well. Oh. Our total is 445 now. Wow. Yeah. And um, John had a message for you, Karen. John said, thank you, Karen, for answering my email. Karen is our community director, along with uh, Kara and some other members of that team, really take it seriously as, as we all are behind uh, talking to everyone. So that, that's one instance of that. And that's part of what everyone's contributions allows us to do is to have it so that nobody has been moved by these ideas and wants to talk about it and there's no one to talk to. Like we wanna make sure we can be there for you. So thank you so much. Yes, um, indeed. <laughs> okay, so Chelsea. Here's another Latin word, Latinate word, baby. Is it imputation? Is that a word? Okay, so the imputation of sin uh, is what this brings to my mind in terms of uh, like, it seems to touch into what Swedenborg talks about, about when do we do something that is sort of counted against us versus we're acting, we might be involved in evil and doing evil, but it's not actually uh, getting a deep mark on our soul or something um, in the same way. And the, the real, um, you know, dividing line between those two is if we're doing it consciously, we're knowing it, you know, we're knowing we're doing it and we're choosing it and we're doing it with intention. Um, so that sort of forgive them for they know not what they do just reminds me because Swedenborg says like somebody who might be acting out doing something evil uh, or, or you can be, be believing something like that. It's not, uh, it's not condemning or it's not, it doesn't affect them, especially if they just don't know any better. You know, there's just that when there's the severe lack of ignorance or the severe lack of knowledge, ignorance, then that um, can, uh, really be make the difference in terms of like you don't know any better so that's really not uh that, that's sort of the a loophole that the lord gets away with like oh yeah we're all sort of involved with evil or we do harmful things but the lord is still bringing us toward um heaven because uh so often it's because we just don't know any better um and if we did know better we might do things differently um and and so part of that sort of application for me that comes to mind is uh, of like what we should do that also kind of connects the thing Swedenborg says is um, that we can't make those, we can't know that about each other. We can't make those kinds of spiritual judgments about other people. Somebody might do something that looks just, uh, you know, really bad <laughs> on the surface. And as you know, we can't know the in thoughts and intents of the heart, you know, only the Lord knows that in this person. And so there's sort of this 
humility that is useful to have there. Like we still, you know, like Swedenborg says, it's of charity to make somebody accountable to the law. You know, like you have to live, um, you know, have boundaries and rules and laws in the world that keep people in check, you know, so that they are punished for things they do. But on a spiritual level, we just don't know if that, that's what I mean by spiritual judgment. Like we don't know, uh, like we were talking about with hell, like the Lord is working with that person. We can trust that the Lord's working um, with people, uh, you know, to bring them, you know, to choose goodness and free them from the evil and falsity that's maybe taking control of their minds. Um, and so it's an interesting thing to think about this prayer to forgive them for they know not what they do. Like that's a really merciful perspective to have. Um, and to kind of give, not like the benefit of the doubt, but I just sort of think, uh, to sort of leave open that crack, you know, and then it gives us a reason to sort of like, uh, Swedenborg, I, Curtis, you reference this a bunch. And I think it's so great when you say it of like, when you, you know, doing something of charity or really loving somebody is like, yeah, putting them, putting them in jail for something they did, but then you care that they get better, you know, or you want to support them in getting connected to goodness eventually and and that often involves teaching them like hey this is why what you did was so wrong and here's how you could behave differently or whatever um and so sort of having that intention to want to you know yeah leave open that possibility while we're alive in this world that there's maybe hope for all of us you know because we're all kind of you know uh, could use that that uh hope so yeah well that's a great actual tie in to our next question because you're talking there about the reason why god can can express love even through at times us being corrected is because god's thinking about the long game and that we can be channeling some of that god if yeah we, we, we you're gonna have to learn a hard lesson here but i'm not leaving you after that i'm still with you so this this ties into true magnetic north asking if there is no time are we already perfect? So God is outside of time. That's so weird. Swedenborg says to God, the whole future is present. And we are on this trajectory. We were musing earlier in the hour about does God eventually like get everybody out of hell and into this perfect heavenly state? Okay. So are we there? Is, is the time an illusion? Um, yeah. Does anyone want to open this up, Karen? Yeah, I think, um, right. God sees everything. God sees the whole picture all at once. I uh, think uh, maybe you were um, looking at somebody's life story. And while they were a certain age, got into all sorts of trouble and bad things happened. But then later in the life, like because of that, something huge was realized in the shift or they could do, you know, help in a certain way because of that experience. Um, so you step back. So while you're in that point, like, Oh no, this is terrible. This is so imperfect. What's going on here in this chapter of this person's life, but you step back and see the whole picture and say, Whoa, that's perfect. You know, that it, this led to this and this led to this and that, that whole story is is just right and so i picture something like that with um with god uh, I, I don't know if this is actually answering the question but i i think you know is 
Uh, are we already perfect? I think the whole story is is perfect. It's whole. It's it's um, doing things. It's productive. All these things definitions that Caro was reading right. about the the word perfect. And so you step back and never mind the time. There's we experience things linearly, but in the whole picture, like yeah, it's perfect because it's all doing something. Like providence doesn't allow anything to happen unless in the whole story it was going to lead to the perfection of of God's goals of of building a heaven from the human race out of people who freely chose to be there you know that kind of thing and, and that has to involve allowing all these things that seem very imperfect to us but stepping back like that was the perfect way to have this uh, goal be achieved <laughs> so there's some thoughts yeah. Um, this is one of those quotes that I have in my mind that it's like, it might be sort of Swedenborg derivative. I don't, I can't remember if Swedenborg actually wrote this somewhere or not. So maybe what you guys can remember. Cara, oh, um, can you just stick it in one of his books? Yeah. <laughs> so it's that God sees us or is it that the angels see us? I feel like it must be God sees us the way, not as we are, but how, but as the Lord wills us to be. Is this how God sees heaven that way? Yep. Okay. Right. So not as, so that sort of idea of the way the Lord sees us is the way the Lord wills us to be. And that's, we look pretty good, you know, in that case. Uh, so in that case, we are already perfect. Um, that's so like Karin was saying, that's like, that's the way the Lord sees us is how the Lord wills us to be in that. Like, you know, not like, Oh, I just wish you were different, but like, uh, the work that the Lord is doing in that um, and for our own satisfaction, you know, as well as for everybody else's benefit. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, any other thoughts on that? Uh, I loved what um, you said, Karin, about the uh, episodes seeming imperfect and then becoming perfect later. I was recently playing a video game that that Matt, a valued member of our team, helped hook me up on. It's like a virtual reality game. So you have this little thing on your head and you look around and there's a part in it where these people are coming and they're going to lock me up and, and put me in jail and they're capturing my dad. And I wasn't worried at all because I know I'm the protagonist and the story is going to go on. So... There's something to be said that that actually with providence ensures that we are all the protagonists of the story is going to continue on. So I just want to say that. <laughs> Speaking of continuing on, ah, man, I don't want to, this last question, we only have one minute. Okay, let's just do a lightning round on it. Come on. Yeah. Someone think of some kind of quip. This is from Young at Heart who asks, what should we say when a family member Uncle Joe states that mystical Christianity, such as Swedenborgianism, is bogus or heretical. What do we say at Thanksgiving when you say, I've been watching this stuff on YouTube, it's Swedenborg, and he's uh, what spirits, what? That's not canon. Uh, and anyone have any thoughts on that? Because hmm. start with some questions like why? How does it how does it conflict with the teachings of Jesus? How does it conflict? loving God and the neighbor. That's good. That's good. Okay, Cara. Uh, Swedenborg talks about how all of us have flowing into us um, 
the idea of God and that God is one and that God is speaking to us all individually um, in, in terms of whatever we come across. So uh, what occurs to you as living and true and uh, clear is your business. <laughs> nice. Very good. Yeah. Chelsea, do you have a thought, a closing thought on that? Just thinking like, I would just ask, what makes you think that? <laughs> yeah. And, and all those Also, mystical Christianity, meaning like out of spiritual experiences. Well, if we're going to say we don't like mystical Christianity, we better throw out Ezekiel's stuff. You better throw out John on the Isle of Patmos. You better throw out, who else is it? Isaiah. Get rid of him. He's a, he's a mystic. There's all these mystics. Right? Yeah. Get rid of Ruth and everybody. Christianity is get rid of Paul. Didn't he get pulled up in yeah. the for three days? Okay, if we're gonna throw out mystical Christianity, throw it all the way out. Don't just say because you're not used to. Of course, and and this is actually better that Swedenborg is saying is coming at Christianity mystically because you got somebody like your Martin Luther who probably is who this family member follows, right? Because it's not Christianity; it's it's Luther's interpretation of it. Or it's Catholicism. Those Luther didn't even have. Well, maybe it isn't even saying that he got his theology in the same way the prophets got theirs through through this mystical experience, right? It's it's just so it's just somebody thinking it up. So I would say yes, Swedenborg is weird, but it's very much in line with uh, the Christian tradition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Peter had visions too. A lot of visions in the early Christianity. Really. The genie's out of the bottle. Everybody's having visions. Okay, that's it. We're the end of our. We're past the end of our hour. But come on, we we more than owe it to y'all to give you an extra yeah, minute or awesome. two. Hey, we raised four hundred and forty-five dollars today from twelve donors, five of which had this is their first gift. So welcome to our community of donors, returning gifters. Thank you. You make what we do possible. Um, that was great. Um, thanks, panel. That was really fun getting to to chat with you all. Yeah, thank you so much for your financial gifts, for being here, for your wonderful questions, uh, for your tributes to loved ones. So great to talk with you during this hour. Yep, yep, yep. Thanks, everybody. It's It sometimes feels like we're not necessarily giving a satisfactory answers, but it's fun to talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you so much. I love getting to be here and getting to have my own mind blown by all of your responses to these questions. <laughs> hey, it, the fun doesn't stop here. We have coming up on Saturday, no, Sunday, Sunday. A podcast, Sunday. Uh, so this upcoming episode hosted by Chelsea is the second coming and how Swedenborg's idea of God changed. What can listeners expect if they go head over to our podcast channel? Yeah, there's lots of good things. So Curtis will be there um, and Dr. Jonathan Rose uh, and we go on little uh, time traveling adventures to the context around Swedenborg's books and um, and then there's a special interview this week with the Swedenborg Foundation's longest continuous donor supporter uh, and so we probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for this woman's support for so for decade after decade uh, and so come hear a little bit about what that means to her. Uh, her name's Frida Browse. So it'll be great to share it with everybody.
exciting and what, what can inspire somebody to commit you know the, uh, that much i think next week we have a show after that on monday we have a show coming up that's what i think i think it's about spiritual communion oh yes yes you're right how spiritual communion works yeah i just suddenly was like oh wait 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 are we do that is next show is how spiritual communion works and that is going to be an awesome companion to the baptism show but it stands on its own it's the power of this really crucial part of the regenerative process and how the outer and the inner can be in correspondence so don't miss that or don't miss anything ever in any part of life okay <laughs> There, we'll send out on that. Thanks, everyone. Great talking to you today.